A hawkish pause? What the hell is even that? First, we had the dovish hike, which was the last couple from the Federal Reserve, where they said, well, we have this banking crisis. We have an economy that looks like it might go into recession, but we still need to fight inflation. Everything's on track. So we're going to hike rates, but we're really, we're really closer to the end. Now, here we are in middle of June, and the Fed says, we're we're going to pause our hiking, but we're definitely going to hike again later because we think we're going to have to, which raises all sorts of questions along, starting with, why wouldn't you just hike rates to begin with? If you're so sure the economy is too robust, too resilient, more inflation risks than not, then what exactly would you be waiting for? Why would there be some kind of hawkish pause? The answer is, those at the Federal Reserve are exceptionally confused at this moment. First of all, remember how we began this year. They thought the economy was in disinflation, everything was slowing down, but it was going to jump right into a Goldilocks soft landing scenario. But then along comes this banking crisis. They, had, they did not foresee, they had no idea it was coming. It was pretty sharp and pretty severe, and they thought, okay, we didn't see this coming, and now that it's happened, there's going to be some fallout from it. So we went from Goldilocks soft landing to now mild recession and a dovish hike because the Fed had to continue hiking rates lest they let on that they were very concerned about this unexpected, unexplained banking crisis. And believe me, it is unexplained at the Federal Reserve. But then the economy didn't fall off immediately. The statistics that they watch, and they are forced to watch by their Phillips curve viewpoint, didn't seem to show any signs whatsoever for, of weakening. Instead, the establishment survey, what did, what did it do? Since the month of March, the establishment survey has accelerated. And even though the unemployment rate ticked up to 3.7%, that's not really something that they were expecting. They were expecting it to go much higher. And so now they're confused yet again. They thought, well, there was a banking crisis is going to create an immediate problem for the economy. And then we didn't see the fallout immediately. Now the economy's back to being too good again. But we're not really sure if it is. So now we have to pause, but we think we're going to have to hike rates. So I ask again, what the hell is even that? This hawkish pause is nothing more than the Fed saying we have no idea what's coming next. And that includes the banking crisis, too, because according to the Fed, at least the statement that was put out today and everything that we've heard so far, well, the banking crisis is over. But everybody knows, and I mean everybody knows, it's not. In fact, the mainstream media is reporting how there are going to be massive fallout and more bank failures ahead. Here, I'll give you an example. This was in Bloomberg, Bloomberg of all places, just a couple days ago. A credit contraction is invariably coming. Soros Fund Manager, Chief Fund Management Chief Executive Officer Don Fitzpatrick said at this week's Bloomberg Investment Conference, adding that additional banks will fail because, quote, there are more problems under the surface. Understatement if I've ever heard one. One further source of trouble for the industry will be commercial real estate an area that in recent years, smaller and regional banks have become a bigger force in. It's the crisis everybody knows about, but hardly anybody in the mainstream wants to talk about, and certainly not at the Federal Reserve. They are completely confused and have no idea which way to turn. But we do have an idea of which way to turn. 
not just those in the mainstream like in Bloomberg. There is going to be more bank crisis. There is going to be fallout, and we can already see it in the data that we have. But like most of the public, the Federal Reserve focuses on the labor market because, as I said, they're locked into this Phillips curve nonsense. But that's that's misleading on several levels, too, which we'll get into. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Uridale University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you are interested, Eurodollar University memberships are available. We talk about what a Eurodollar is, what the Eurodollar system is, why it's necessary, why it's vital, what it's supposed to do, and why it isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Those memberships you get at the Eurodollar University website. I do research subscriptions. Uh, daily briefing, I contribute to MarketsInsiderPro.com. That's a bundle with Tracy Shukart and Mr. Stephen Van Meter. And I also do a daily deep dive analysis where we dive deep into these details. What's really going on? When? How do we make sense of all of these contradictions that aren't really contradictions if you're not stuck in the Phillips curve loop? All the information available for you, memberships, research subscriptions, Eurodollar.University. The Fed gets its, its data or its assumptions about the economy from the same place the general public does. It's largely the unemployment rate, the establishment survey, quarterly GDP, and the stock market. As much as they pretend they don't pay attention to stocks, they pay enormous attention to share prices, both in trying to manipulate consumer and business behavior, as well as information from stocks about what the economy must be doing. Yeah, it is just that circular. Because the labor data in particular hasn't, hasn't come down or go, gone up, depending on which one you're looking at, gone up in the unemployment rate or come down in terms of hiring in the establishment survey like they were expecting from the credit crunch fallout of the banking crisis, the Federal Reserve now says the economy must be resilient. Yes, they are making exactly the same mistakes their predecessors made in 2008. And everybody knows it, except for them, apparently. But because the labor data is what it says, because they have to take it at face value, and because they don't really look at other, other uh, statistics and accounts from inside the U.S. economy, as well as around the rest of the world, they don't factor globally synchronized whatsoever, taking instead the Keynesian approach that the U.S. economy is largely an isolated U.S. economy, not subject to the same forces that are right now devastating large parts of the global economy, <coughs> China, they look at just the U.S. labor. They focus on U.S. labor data, which we'll see in a minute why that could be hugely misleading, especially in this circumstance. But because the establishment survey is up, accelerating through at least May, and because the unemployment rate is only up a couple tenths of a percent, the models have marked up all of the forecasts for 2023. According to the SEP, Median GDP, their median GDP, their median expectation for GDP this year has been raised to 1% from 0.4%. So slow, but more Goldilocks than anything else. And again, they expected to see some immediate fallout from the March banking crisis. I don't know why they expected it to be immediate, but they expected to see that right away. And when it didn't show up right away, or it didn't show up in the place that they're looking right away, they said, well, it's not going to show up at all. Confirmation bias. Their view of the unemployment rate, the median projection is down to 4.1% from 4.5% because they thought the unemployment rate would be going higher rather steadily throughout this year. Instead, it kind of went lower and then a little bit higher. And nobody knows what's going to happen from here. 
at least according to these model prediction, predictions and projections. The PCE inflation rate or consumer price rate, they now say it's 3.2%. They've marked it down from 3.3%, but largely the same. The core rate, they marked up from 3.6 from to 3.9% because core prices are being stubborn, largely because of non-economic reasons with the imputations of rent, as we talked about yesterday with the CPI. And most of all, they raised their projection for the federal funds terminal rate to 5.6% which is where this hawkish pause come from. They want to see, apparently, if this fallout that they're expecting does, does actually show up, but expecting that it won't because the labor market data is as strong as it appears to be in their minds. Therefore, while we're pausing today, we're almost certainly going to rate hike tomorrow. When, again, they look at these models and you can tell they don't really trust them all that much, nor should they. Because the labor market, along with the general economic circumstance outside the United States and inside the U.S., if you look at a lot of, a lot of data, shows an incredible amount of growing weakness, deflationary recession weakness that we can see in more and more places. Yesterday, we focused on the CPI in the U.S., in particular services, but the labor data, the labor data the Fed focuses on, in particular the establishment survey, already that's contradicted by as I mentioned in the payroll report video, the establishment survey. Companies are actively taking a, they're taking an interest in controlling their costs because the recession, the softening downturn has already developed and forced them to take, make adjustments to their labor utilization. But that hasn't meant firing lots of workers. Instead, establishment survey notwithstanding, that has meant at least not hiring as many workers, but more than that, working the workers they do have to, uh, to fewer and fewer hours. The hours worked index from the establishment survey actually contracted in a way that we only see during recessions. So how do we explain the lack of layoffs though? Wouldn't we see businesses start to cut back on layoffs? But as we've said over the last year, that's the last thing that companies wanna do. They always save the mass layoffs until the point at which they realize there's there's no there's no use in waiting any longer. There's there's no hope of getting to a shallow or short recession or just a modest downturn. The second half rebound doesn't show up. That's when they give in and start to lay off workers. But in this cycle, in this instance in 2023, we see growing evidence that the point the decision point that companies have to make about firing workers is much further along in that process than it had been previously. It's called labor hoarding. I think there's quite a bit of hoarding going on in the labor market, said Dana Peterson, chief economist at the conference board. And that's why we haven't seen this big collapse in the labor market, because you still have some industries that are trying to catch up from pandemic losses. And then you have a whole number of businesses that are just holding on to people, waiting for bad things to happen, and then go away so they could get back to business. As I've talked about many times before, the ISM noted this a couple times this year about the second half rebound. We've invested a lot of funds, we've invested a lot of time and effort in getting workers into our business. And if it's just some minor downturn or even a shallow recession, we're not just gonna fire them. We'll take the hit to the bottom line because we have a, a pretty decent marginal cushion that we built, over, built up over the last couple of years. So we can take the hit. We'll take a short run hit to our bottom lines just to keep workers because in the second half of this year, 
everything is going to turn around and we're going to need those workers to take advantage of the growing recovery thereafter. So we're not going to just fire workers today because we might need them tomorrow because in between, just a minor recession. They're waiting to see either recovery show up, the end of the shallow recession, or no recession at all, confirmation of that, or confirmation that it's much worse than they were expecting, that it is a legitimate recession, and maybe even a protracted and deep one. In that case, as soon as, the, as soon as their confidence switches from maybe shallow recession to, oh my God, this is much more serious, that's when they start to de-hoard labor, which means layoff and job cuts. But until that time, the major labor market statistics look a lot better than they actually are. Because again, the hours number shows companies are not working their workforce in a way that they otherwise would if the economy was otherwise fine. That's many otherwises. And I'm gonna say otherwise several otherwise times. So the labor data is misleading and that's exactly what the Federal Reserve and most of the public depends upon. And is what, so we have to ask our questions, put ourselves in the shoes of these corporate CEOs or just small business owners who may have already made this decision already, but what would it take to, for them to start saying, okay, we were, expecting, we were expecting a downturn, we're expecting a shallow recession, but now it's looking a lot less like a shallow recession. Now it's looking like we need to really go ahead with this, this, massive, this massive change to our labor force that we really don't wanna have to do. What would force them into that decision point? Well, that's where all the recent data comes in because it suggests that point is a lot closer than the Federal Reserve would like it to be. And maybe that's why they're getting into this hawkish pause too, because they can also see it, but they just don't want to say it. Because in saying it, that's a lot of becauses, in saying it, they also realize they risk confirming everyone's worst fears. They have to continue to pretend everything is fine when they're not really certain one way or another. So we looked at yesterday, the US CPI, in particular, the services number, the deflationary services prices, which is indicative of more highly unusual, more than typical recession weakness. In fact, we only saw the services less rent index fall on a three month basis eight times before then. And that was the worst parts of the great recession as well as the worst parts of 2020. So maybe that point is closer than we expect. We also saw that tick up the rise in jobless claims for the week before last, which suggests that never want to make too much out of one week, but we could be moving in that direction too. China, China's a big one as well as Europe. Europe is already in recession and it's in recession that all these same officials and official models says wasn't said weren't going to happen. That's another factor too, because if you're factoring, thinking I need to hold on to my workers because everybody around me says the economy will be just fine. And then you realize they said the same thing about Europe only to turn around and see that the economy in Europe is already not fine and looking like it's going to get worse. You, you're gonna have a little bit less faith in the current circumstance. Got more data today, just to close this out, more deflationary data, US producer prices suggesting that, the, that at the very least downturn and more than that, confirming the services number as well as the, the degree of potential problem already in the overall economy. 
The PPI for final demand fell 0.32% month over month on a year-over-year basis at 1.2%, which was the lowest since December 2020. Final demand services rose just 0.23%. It's up 2.7% year-over-year, but that one is front-loaded in six-month increments. The last six months up to including May, the service, the final demand services PPI rose at a 1.6 annual, 1.6% annual rate. That compares to a 3.8% annual rate the six months before that, and an 8.2% annual rate in the six months before that. So from 8.2% down to 3.8% to now 1.6%, and more weakness ahead. Again, confirming the CPI services that there's a lot of weakness there. That's highly unusual in terms of recession. Finished good prices pushed down largely by gasoline. Those are down 1.6% month over month, but still deflationary there. And the finished good index was actually down year over year. First contraction there since December of 2020. Even the core PPI was relatively low, just 0.2% month over month and only 2.85% year over year, the lowest since February 2021. So the Fed's hawkish pause is really, we're not really sure what's going on in the economy. We thought everything was fine in February with all that good, good the, all the good statistics that came out. And then we got a banking crisis we didn't see coming. And then in the aftermath of the banking crisis, we thought we'd see horrific numbers, but we never did. And so because we didn't see horrific numbers, now we're back to thinking, well, shoot, we don't know. So they're going to pause, but they're going to hike, but they're going to dovishly pause and hike and pause and hawk and everything else in between. Because when you look at the economy through the lens of the labor market and, and the labor market doesn't make sense with everything else around it, why not? What the hell is even that? I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, huge, huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, Markets Insider Pro research subscribers, and of course, the Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.